Stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, visit www.3cr.org.au. Because we got the alternative energy right. free autonomy. And welcome to the Radioactive Show, produced at the studios of 3CR Melbourne and heard nationally on the Community Radio Network. Hi, my name's Mara. This episode of the Radioactive Show was recorded and produced on the unceded lands of the Wurundjeri and Noongar people for 3CR Melbourne. This week we get an update from the West from K.A. Garlic, nuclear-free campaigner with the Conservation Council of WA, and she's one of the Radioactive Show team as well. Hi, K.A. Thanks for joining us on the Radioactive Show today. Hi, Mara. Thanks for having me. So you recently went to a Toro meeting. Where was that and what did you hear? Yeah, so last last Friday I went to Toro Energy's general meeting. It was um, held in Perth to address the company's capacity to continue to issue share placements throughout the year required to repay debt and to continue to operate, basically. Um, and Toro Energy is the um, proponent of the Waluna Uranium project. I attended the meeting to raise issues um, with the company's most recent uranium proposal, which we believe differed greatly from the approved plan. The proposal included Lakeway, Centipede, Millipede and Lake Maitland, so four, four different um, sites. What they proposed um, twice this year um, with the ASX statement was a standalone operation at Lake Maitland targeting uranium and vanadium. We believe it differs from the whole Waluna project because it says that they're doing a standalone mining and processing operations at Lake Maitland and will not at this stage include the other Waluna uranium deposits at Centipede, Millipede and Lakeway. Um, so we suggest, we're, we're, you know, it's suggesting that the project is substantially different to the Waluna proposal outlined in the Public Environment Review in which they got environmental approval from. So I went into the meeting to ask those questions that, you know, would they require a new formal scoping and assessment process um, through, through through the government? What was Toro Energy's um, intention? And so... What I what I got back was uh, interesting uh, conversation with them, and um, I uh, they said that it was only at the very early beginnings of a scoping study around that standalone project. But what was interesting in the in the general meeting, more so I think, was that the Toro chairperson Richard Homsony told the meeting that no one can get finance to build a uranium mine in Australia. That's um, fantastic news. I know. It was really, really great news to have that um, recorded. And this is why it's so important to do this shareholder activism mm. um, and why it's so important to hear, um, you know, a, a, Uran- a uranium mining company say that is, is really, it's refreshing in some ways that they are um, more realistic um, about the current negative market conditions, the highly negative that's what really um, differs from the other, well, particularly Mulga Rock um, with Vimy Resources. They're still hopeful. They're still optimistic in this climate that is market conditions, but also the consistent and long-term 
community opposition um, for these projects. And so what's interesting at the moment, he also acknowledged, um, Toro Energy also acknowledged that their conditional environmental approval um, expires on January the 9th. And that's, that's where the campaign here in Western Australia really is focusing on the next six months of these four, four proposals have either expired um, environmental approvals like Kintyre um, that expired last year uh, in March and the rest are coming up this year or at, in December and then next year. So, yeah, that was, it was really, really good to hear. He acknowledged that that approval will be stalled um, for the Waluna project. And what would that um, mean? From, so January 9th, 2022 is when um, Toro's conditional and environmental approval will expire. And so that will mean that they won't be able to mine uranium without making project changes that would require further state government scrutiny and approval. So we're, that's where we're really um, working with the government on... Um, making sure that those approvals are not uh, extended. Mm. And they'd have to go back yeah. to the drawing board and apply again. Um, and this right. is just yeah. at the state level. This is before it even goes anywhere near having to get federal environmental approval under the EPBC Act. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yep. I mean, it doesn't It doesn't mean that the... Um, the projects go away as such. It, it sort of ho- it puts them in this holding, um, holding sort of um, area, and that's where we're working with. From that, from I think the last one is Yaliri um, Uranium Project approval is the sixteenth of January, twenty twenty two, and what we'll do after that is then work. We'll not only celebrate that, you know, community opposition, market conditions have, you know, uh, people haven't, these companies haven't substantially commenced, but we will also target the WA Labor government who has a uranium policy, no uranium policy, to actually legislate a ban on uranium mining here in Western Australia. I think because with without that um, ban, it still very much um, creates uncertainty for these communities that are at the forefront of these companies mm. that continue to target them. And I think that that's where, you know... It's like we whack-a-mole. Were, they can always come back. Yes, they can always come back under this um, process. But mm. if there's a legislative ban, you know, that's that's where we can maybe hold them. It's a long way. I mean, it will be great that they expire, but it doesn't mean that the campaign's over. And I think for us, um, the Mulga Rock expiry in the 16th of December 2021 at... Um, just outside of Kalgoorlie, for those that don't know, um, Vimy Resources is the proponent. And they are being really aggressive on wanting to have that substantial um, commencement, which is in their five-year um, from the date of the ministerial approval, um, that they they want to show that they've substantially commenced. Vimy Resources are just... Pretend, well, not pretend, they... They're so optimistic that they think that they have substantially commenced. But it means that they need to have all their approvals to mine, including an approved mine plan, a mine closure plan, an Indigenous land use agreement. Um, They need to have made final and formal, you know, investment decisions and secured finance, which they haven't been able to do. And they need to have advanced substantial construction of key infrastructure, which 
they haven't. They haven't done any of this. And by December, you know, time time is ticking. But we really, you know, in our campaign um, need to, you know, step up and, and, and motivate people to get involved in, in this campaign, particularly for that Mulga Rock one, um, because there is a lot of work still to do to get them from being, um, you know, very positive to you know, realising, like Toro Energy, the realistic, you know, no one is getting finance to mine uranium. Mm. Um, like, and they just keep persisting and, and keep putting, putting in approval. So we're really working hard to with the government and the department to make sure that every all the processes are, are followed and, and that we, we're, you know, in there and, and sort of making sure that everything's been done right. You're like a scrutineer in an election, making sure that everything's okay. <laughs> Yeah. Well, it's really, I mean, it's really, um, you know, it's not open and transparent. This is, I think, what it highlights in this campaign, this long campaign that's been going since the 70s, which is a reason to celebrate, um, you know, a lot of these um, haven't got, you know, there's not one bit of uranium being, you know, ripped out and shipped out from Western Australia. And, and people can be proud of that and people can be really, um, you know, hopeful that we can keep, uranium in the ground in Western Australia. And that's from community opposition, but also the support of unions and Labor members that have started their their careers back as an anti-nuke campaigner here in Western Australia and and because of the, the public op- opposition. Mm. And so we've just got... I think if we, you know, can really build that momentum for the Mulga Rock one, which is the most pressing, then it would be really good to see the government um, not give any... Um, extension and and to these approvals and and to really follow their no uranium mining policy. You're listening to the Radioactive Show, broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. We're speaking with nuclear-free campaigner from the Conservation Council of WA, K.A. Garlic, about the hopefully declining uranium industry. What do you think the chances are of extensions being granted? Well, I mean, it's it's really hard to say because... um, if we take a, if we go, if we look at the history um, of the campaign, sort of more than a decade ago, after the formal um, or the former Barnett Conservative government lifted the state policy ban on uranium mining, um, and, and now that there's still no uranium operating uranium mines in Western Australia, the McGowan. Um, Labor government reinstated a policy ban on uranium mining that allowed these four projects to continue. The because Waluna, the previous government had already let them through. Yeah, yeah, they'd already given those approvals. And so it was controversial, um, you know, and politicised circumstances to um, where the four were approved by the former government. Um, but again, they haven't been, um, you know, the, what we're, who we're talking about is the Waluna, Kintai, Mulga Rock and Yaliri the four projects um, have been unable to proceed because of this sustained community opposition mm. um, and poor market conditions. I mean, yeah, and so, um, so with the the reaching of their environmental approvals, that's what we're working on. What does substantial commencement mean? None of them have showed substantial commencement. Mm. Um, you know, Cameco have written off zero value up in Kintyre. Um, they didn't even um, they didn't even put in a, a request to have their appro- approvals extended. Um, but what it means is 
we're asking for no extensions to the environmental approvals or at least a very new um, public environment review be required. So that would mean, you know, looking at their project again. Because they were fast-tracked, we believe they were fast-tracked through the Barnett government because they just saw this rush of uranium price, you know, and there's been exploration sites, um, you know, 12 years ago now. There was this rush. I mean, Mike Young from Vimy Resources said, you know, um, uh, uranium's going to be like the iron ore on steroids. Like, they were <laughs> going to be this huge, big industry in WA. Well, that oh, my God, imagine the, the waste. Thank goodness. Yeah, exactly. And, but what's happened is it's created all these exploration sites as well around the country that pose environmental and health risks. So we're not only targeting those four projects, but we're also asking the government that it needs serious um, clean-up mm. and rehabilitation of all of these sites. So each of the four uranium mine approvals... Um, state that the proponent shall not commence implementation of the proposal after five years from the date of this statement. And any commencement prior to this date must be substantial. So that's what we're defining, define what substantial commencement means. Um, But then also, yeah, what what happens after them is that they they sit in this holding position and, um, yeah, at, at the point where these proposals reach the five-year deadline, um, there's definitely an opportunity for the Minister for Environment. And, but in, this, in our Western Australian case, the Attorney-General, because there was that conflict of interest with our Environment Minister, um, Amber Jade Saunderson having, Sanderson having um, her stepdad is Vimy Resources Nuclear Officer Julian Tapp. I think... We're in a good position, though, to to delay and to continue to to challenge um, these these projects. It's um, in a state that's you know done a lot out of the resource boom and extractivism generally. Mm-hmm. That context makes keeping uranium in the ground in WA for all these decades even more extraordinary an accomplishment. I think. Mm, get, get, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and and you know, and this the staunch and solid activism from communities, you know, at the forefront, um, the traditional owners um, in these four areas, from the Maru, Jual, Mulgarock, um, Spinifex, Mob, you know, they they've listened to the stories of the old people, and they're they're the ones that have really held um, the the ground, you know, of saying no, we oppose these projects, we oppose it for these reasons. Um, and a lot is that, you know, they know that it, they were told that it would poison the land, but not only that, they understand from Fukushima that um, it would it would destroy and poison other countries. And so they don't... And, and, and the work that we do to try and amplify their voices is so important. And, and going into these general meetings and really targeting those questions is... I believe a really important part of our activism that we do yeah. um, to keep that pressure on and to keep that track, um, to keep these co- companies um, knowing that we're tracking them and watching them because no one else will. No, that's right. Um, and because the gold fields and areas, or what's better known as the gold fields area here in Western Australia, it's really hard to keep a track of what is going on out there. And so we rely on... 
um, traditional owners who are going out on country that go out for cultural reasons um, onto these lands that report back and say, oh, we saw a truck coming out of, you know, Vimy, Vimy Resources, Mulga Rock Project. Oh, we saw um, Cameco up at Yaliri the other day. Um, you know, and so it's, it's that relationship that we've built over the decades that is so important in this campaign. Mm. Absolutely, absolutely. You can't be siloed. Everyone needs to, communication is so huge, and with such enormous expanses of space in between the sites that you guys in the West are looking at. Yeah, you, yeah. it's a huge amount of area to travel just to keep an eye on it. So, yeah, communities on the ground being engaged it's massively important. Um, I just had a question about um, the Toro meeting that you went to last week when yeah. um, the guy said how. Um, no one was going to invest in uranium mines in Australia. Did he give any reasons for that? Like they obviously haven't gone a, grown a conscience. The uranium is bad. It's going to have impacts. There's ways to deal with all the all of the mm-hmm. issues. I imagine it was just economic and nothing else. Yeah, yeah purely economics um, is is what um, they were being realistic about um, because they you know went on to. To um, you know, to say that they they still value the uranium, and that's why they're looking at the vanadium project as well, is because they believe that with the vanadium, it may um, increase the value um, of their project, and that's why you know they'll do these scoping studies to see, um, which you know we don't believe. Um, you know, there'll be challenges after that if whatever happens, you know, we'll still be watching it. But it was purely that comment was made on an economic basis. It wasn't that they have realised, mm. oh, yeah, uranium's not a, you know, a, a good, um, you know, it's it's bad for the environment. It's certainly not that, that feeling at all. As I said, it's really important to continue to go into those meetings mm. um, and, you know, and to highlight that, yeah, this proposal is uneconomic and they don't have the funding to develop it. And that's why this general meeting was happening so that they could, you know, um, I don't know a lot about the share market, but it was certainly about, you know, getting more money to develop these. Mm. They keep, you know, banging on with these projects and it's like, just give up. You yeah. know, like the clock is ticking. Just give up on this. It's not, it, it doesn't have social license. It doesn't have Let economic. it go, let it go. It doesn't stack up. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah, Um and so, uh, yeah, it's just, um, you know, there is almost no scenario in which the Waluna uh, mine could be developed by January 2022, and that's what we're sticking to. But also it's really important with this Waluna uranium project, um, as I've been saying, has been consistently opposed. Mm. Um, but it also, it's on, it poses a threat to two unique lake systems, which periodically flood. Um, and particularly the winter that we're having at the moment and the rains have come through that area up there um, and we've seen it, you know, flood over the, the decades that we've been working up there. We've seen it, you know, consistently flood. Um, but mining at Lakeway and, and, and Lake Maitland, um, you know, for us, it, does, it doesn't add up. And Toro Energy is a small, unproven company with this limited financial capacity, mm-hmm. um, they're not, they have no experience um, and it's on a fragile you know, de- desert ecosystem and it is home to vulnerable and migratory species um, 
and and potentially the presence of the critically endangered night parrot. So there's so much that why we we keep this campaign going and why it's so important um, that we don't see um, this industry start up here in in Western Australia, but certainly nationally and and globally, um, there's a much bigger campaign to to end this industry um, in, in for our future. You it, know, it has and, to happen. Yeah, it's yeah. really amazing to do that shareholder activism, and it's great that you do turn up to those meetings because you can ask the questions and put out the information that counters the spin and the propaganda given to shareholders by companies like Toro, and having people, activists like you, going into those shareholder and asking the hard questions can make those shareholders think about where they're putting their their money, and it's a really important thing because I think a lot of people believe what they're told and don't look at alternative thoughts or other information. You're providing that by turning up and it's an important mm. part of the campaign. And again, really yeah. 40 years in the ground, all this time, it's amazing. Mm. And, it's, and, and that's really important too to get that. I mean, this one's a very easy one to go in. This is nothing like going into BHP or mm. Rio Tinto's AGM. Slightly smaller, yeah. It's... I'll give you a sense of um, how small it is. It's like four shareholders <laughs> go into these meetings and one of them's the, the geologist, so he wants work out of it. But then there's me that comes in as a proxy shareholder and um, I have the questions, you know, And I, but I would want, if I was a shareholder, I think, I would want to know what my company that I'm investing money in is doing. But you yet, think? They don't ask questions. They don't ask. I've got a book full of questions. I mean... But they, the, the good thing about this one is that they do give me the space and the time to ask all the questions. Like I did ask four or five questions, of course, about the project and this being substantially different. But I also asked, you know, about the current government having a policy ban on new uranium projects and, you know, what's your understanding of, um, you know, an application for a new proposal um, is highly unlikely. You know, I make those statements, you know. Um, but it is the arrogance of the company saying, you know, well, well, we'll hold on to this tenement and we'll wait until the market conditions get better and, um, you know, and there's high competitors and, and all of that. Um, but, yeah, it, it's as opposed to going into um, Vimy Resources, it's a bit more, um, in, you know, there, there, there's a bit more hostility around mm. Vimy Resources. There's definitely a different feel going into their um, meetings and, and there is that, um, yeah, yeah, there certainly is a difference between, you know, four shareholders that sit there very quietly um, <laughs> to to sort of Vimy Resources ones where the general manager and the, the nuclear officer, Julian Tappet, are really sort of in your face and challenging you and, and really being arrogant. But, you know, they're also um, intimidated by us and they do get frustrated and that's why it's so important to, to have, um, yeah, as you said, go into these meetings and keep a track and to keep um, this presence alive um, and why why we really do want to build up this um, momentum for Mulga Rock, um, particularly as it gets closer for their uh, expiry on the yeah. 16th of January and um, and their AGM will be coming up soon as well in December. Um, you know, there's a lot there's a lot going on for that campaign as well, um, particularly as 
with the Mulga Rock one, um, there is a um, uh, the Spinifex people um, and Wongatha people are coming together to. Um, it, the area is now being registered as native title claim, um, ah. and so they they will have to do uh, an indigenous land use agreement. Um, so there's yeah there's a lot of there's a lot of things happening um, out at Mulga Rock, and for listeners, it would be really great if um, people could support um, in some way. Um, we have a a um, an excellent social media campaign going on um, through Facebook with WA superheroes of the community, um, which has really been um, well received. I know a lot of people aren't on Facebook, but for, for our campaign, it's really important to see and to show people not, you know, um, here in WA, but also nationally and, and globally, we get support. And it's really been great to highlight um, the community's resistance to these projects, but also our superheroes um, within Labor um, and ministers and union leaders and members of the public that have, you know, it's been a long campaign and, you know, people like Joe Valentine and, um, you know, the old, you know, back in the, you know, 70s when it first came up, there's people that are still, you know, part of the campaign, but they're like, oh, when's this, you know, hopefully it'll be over soon, hopefully in their lifetime. And that's, that's why we keep doing what we do because we're on the shoulders of many great people that mm. have fought so hard and that I think that that's why I keep going in, in a lot of ways to, you know, because there's been so many people um, fight for this. It would be great to see it in our lifetime and many other people's lifetime, that ban. Bring um, on the ban. ban. Yeah. 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 Thank you so much for your time today, Kay. It's great to get an update from the West. Um and it's incredible. Keep on keeping it in the ground. Thank you. And if anyone wants to get involved, um, if, we've got, if I've got time to just sneak in, we've got um, an event coming up, The Road to a Nuclear-Free Future um, for WA, and it's a, it's a focus on um, a report that's being launched on this day. Um, it's a Mineral Policy Institute written by Mia Pepper and a CCWA report, um, Beyond Uranium Mining, The Road to a Nuclear-Free Future, and um, it'll give updates of the campaign and where we're at in Western Australia. Um, and it's going to be live streamed from the State Library in Western Australia. So if anyone's interested in that, um, search that um, Road to a Nuclear-Free Future. It's on Eventbrite. They nationally can um, broadcast... We'll be broadcasting via Zoom and um, people can jump on and listen to the many people that we've got organised to speak about the long long sustained story of resistance um and the support for the communities sounds um, great these proposed projects yeah so yeah it's been good to talk thanks so much to ka garlic from the conservation council of wa for the update on all things uranium in the west consistent opposition to these mines means that the uranium is still in the ground and hopefully it will stay there in no small part due to the activism done by our campaigning friends there Thanks for listening to The Radioactive Show. You can download the podcast of this program at 3cr.org.au slash radioactive. We'll post relevant links to this show on our Facebook page and website. If you'd like to get in contact, you can email us on radioactiveshow.3cr at gmail.com. 
The Radioactive Show was produced with the support of Friends of the Earth's Nuclear Free Collective in the studios of 3CR on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation in Fitzroy, Victoria, and it's broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. Thanks for listening and tune in again next week for more news and views on nuclear, peace and energy issues.